Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 44, Rob Font versus Jose Aldo. And Shaq is going down this Saturday night at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got a bantamweight main event with title implications on the line. The the one of the goat featherweights, uh, Jose Aldo, he's dropping a bantamweight. He's looking to get another belt in another weight class. This guy's been at the top of the heap for over a decade but rob font i mean we've been waiting for this kid to put it together and shack uh this four fight win streak if that's any indication this is the best version of rob font we've ever seen rob font's been looking very good lately he's beating former world champions i mean he's finishing guys i mean he's we know he's got the skills we just wanted him to put it all together turns out he might be the best one from that gym that is looking like it these days but um and Jose Aldo, I mean, that's a legend of the sport, a future UFC Hall of Famer, guaranteed. I mean, I don't think I've ever missed a Jose Aldo fight, so <laughs> <laughs> I doubt you have either. So, um, you know, Jose Aldo, every time he's in the octagon, it's a it's a spectacle. I mean, that's one of the true legends of the sport. So you got to watch. And if Rob Font beats Jose Aldo, you know what that happens. I mean, it's title shot time. So uh, Peter Yan needs a, a lot more, um, you know, challengers uh, after, you know, this next one. We need more guys. So um, I'm excited. Yeah. And with Rob Font, I mean, look, the skills have always been there, man. I mean, the guys had hands since day one. But now I think the mental is starting to catch up. Now I think he's ready for those big fights. You know, I, I don't think that you can uh, sit here and say Rob Font chokes in big fights anymore. He's coming off a main event win over a former champion. He beat Bellator's a. Uh, bantamweight champion Sergio Pettis as well in that current win streak and I mean obviously the jab you know is completely on point the cardio the the follow-up with the straight right but then Jose Aldo I mean you're dealing with a guy that when you've when you've accomplished what Jose Aldo's accomplished I mean what's there left to do and this guy is still finding new ways to improve he's still beating guys in the top 10 he still believes he could be a world champion he truly believes it so this fight's gonna give us a lot of answers yeah, Jose is the type of guy, you know, he just puts his head down and he works. He doesn't, you know, feel entitled about things or anything. He's like, you know, I got to just beat these guys one by one. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, I, I think the day he retires, they got to put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I mean, I, I think it goes without saying that Jose Aldo is a future Hall of Famer. No questions asked, no debates about that. So we're going to break down the whole car start to finish. Look forward to doing that. But first, before we do, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. So, guys, Prize Picks is the easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports. On these other outlets, you got to compete with thousands of stats nerds and pray that you have that optimal lineup. Here, it's completely different. It's literally just you versus Prize Picks projections. So, you look at their projections and you can combine multi sports if you want. Take advantage of the spots that you think they're wrong on. Now, all of our users, you guys are going to receive an 100% instant deposit match up to $100 by using the code BATTLE at Prize Picks. You can go to prizepicks.com or download the app. It's the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players from any sport. It can be the same sport or different sports, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And like I said, no sharks, no optimizers, no mass multi-entry. You don't have to throw in 150 lineups and pray to God that you get that one right. I mean, just come out here, take advantage of their projections that you disagree with. Like I said, they allow mixed sports entries. So, you know, you, you guys know how I've been telling you to take that over on Max Holloway. Well, that came through. Take that under on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, every single week it changes. 
Prize Picks has a 4.8 star rating in the App Store with great reviews. So, guys, make sure you'll go to Prize Picks. Use that code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. It's the best and easiest way to win at Daily Fantasy Sports. That's Prize Picks. Now, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Lewis Smolka. He's 17 and 7, taking on Vince Morales, who is 10 and 5. And currently, they got. Lewis Smolka minus 150. The comeback on Vince Morales is plus 130. Shaq, by this time, Lewis Smolka, he's a seasoned vet, man. I mean, this guy's been in there for a very, very long time. His scrambling ability is top notch. I mean, he's extremely exciting to watch. And if you're not quite ready for Lewis Smolka's ready, I mean, he's going to get for Lewis Smolka's uh, level. He's going to get on top of you. He's going to ground and pound you. He's going to submit you. He's going to beat you on scrambles. But this kid, Vince Morales, I mean, I got to tell you what. I haven't ever been that impressed with him, but for a guy that started off fighting the Song Dongs, I mean, he's still in the UFC today. He's starting to get some wins here and there. Do you think he has enough momentum behind him to beat an established vet like Smolka? Yeah. Um, Vince Morales, like you said, I've never been that impressed. Um, kind of been struggling to see if he's UFC level, and that's not just because he's losing the Song or Gutierrez or whoever else he lost to uh benito lopez i know a lot of people think that was a a robbery but man i just feel like he's a basic fighter he just throws right hand right hand even his wins like against a hobby i mean that fight was you know shit uh or the his, draco the the draco rodriguez fight i mean draco i don't know if y'all seen what happened to that kid i don't know what happened to that guy but um yeah i mean but look one thing about vince he's durable he's tough you know he he will he he will unless his leg is broken i mean he will hang in there for three rounds smoka is the type of guy that kind of like a comeback fighter in a sense i mean he'll get beat up he'll get he'll get wailed on for it even like his last fight against um teko quinones i mean a lot of his fights he you know kind of starts slow but I mean, thing with Smoker, he's got that intangible, uh, that intangible, like when he see when he senses his opponent is fatiguing or showing any sign of weakness, he will turn up and he will, uh, he will, you know, get things ugly in there. But as far as this fight goes, man, I, I just personally don't like money on guys like Vince Morales. I, I, I just think he throws right hand, right hand over and over again. Not much setups and Smoker. Playing him at these chalk prices, I just prefer him as like an underdog type of fighter, you know, um, laying chalk on him because, you know, Smoke is kind of like one of these guys you kind of worry, like, does he care? Because, like, I mean, when's the last time he fought, firstly? Like, it's been a while. Against Teco. Uh, yeah, that was a while ago, right? Like, that was... Um, it seems like he's been having some stuff. And I, I even, like, when he was... Uh, a I year remember, ago. Yeah, a year ago. But, like, I remember, like, a while ago, like, he was eating, like, chick-fil-a and like uh chinese food on his on, on his uh youtube channel but hey i'm gonna pick him for the win here I, it's gonna be a tough fight vince is tough he's got a lot of heart but i think smoka just has a little bit more tools uh especially on the ground i think if he can get it to the ground i think he can uh, kind of run away with this fight so i'm gonna go with smoka to win you want to know a interesting fact that aged kind of funny uh, Louis Smolka closed minus 500 against Brandon Moreno. Yeah, well, nobody. Brandon Moreno was like a 16 seed. <laughs> and he was his UFC debut. <laughs> and he had lost on the Ultimate Fighter. But yeah. still, it's looking back at it, I mean, 
if you would have got those kind of dog odds on uh, Brandon Moreno against Lewis yeah. Smolka at any other point. But yeah, so I mean, look, Lewis Smolka's paid his dues, man. His scrambling ability is extremely fun to watch. The guy is durable. He could take a shot, man. I mean, I've seen this guy knocked down multiple times in fights and still not go out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this kid, Smolka, he's Hawaiian. So when you think his chin should go, you know, wait 10 more fights and then it'll finally go. I mean, this guy is just tough as nails. And I feel like, you know, we talk so much about his scrambling and not that his stand up is, you know, you know, Chris Gutierrez or some of these top guys in the division. But I think it's it's slept on from time to time. And I think he's got a little sneaky power. I think that he's long for the weight class uh, with Vince Morales. Obviously, you know about his right hand uh, dropped uh, Domingo Pilarte, which a, a lot of people have done. However, he still did it. Um, and I mean, he was standing and banging with song for three rounds. I mean, it didn't go his way, but still, man, I mean, he's a tough kid. It's just I'm curious, like, you know, Smolka's got an insane chin, man. I think Smolka can take these shots. It's just about can, you know, Vince land that knockdown, steal the round that way. Because I think if Smolka gets on top of Vince and he starts to posture up, that's when the ground and pound comes. That's when possibly Vince gives up his back and gets submitted. So I'm going to go with Smolka to get this done. I do agree with you about it can be sketched to back him as a favorite, but I got to say he, he does have a, a decent history a, as the favorite. I mean, came again, came through against Suma Darji. Obviously, that kid main event McDonald, uh, the one most recently Teco Canones. So usually when he's like a slight favorite, he tends to win. So let's see if the bookies are right. I'm going to go with Lewis Smoker to get it done. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Alex Morano. He's 20 and seven. He's taking on Mickey Gall, who is seven and three. And currently, they got Alex Morano minus 230. The comeback on Mickey Gall's plus 190. I mean, I got to give Mickey Gall credit. He's come a long way for a guy that, you know, fought CM Punk and Mike Jackson. And then all of a sudden, he's fighting he's Randy Brown. He's <laughs> fighting Randy Brown, Diego Sanchez, like all, all these like guys that are established. Um, you know, he grew up inside the octagon, but now he's got another tough test. So, I mean, here's the question. Look, Murano, he's a solid top 25 guy, man. I mean, if you're not quite ready for Murano, you will get exposed against Murano. So has Mickey Gall leveled up enough to pass another veteran test? Man, this is a tough fight because Murano is a seasoned vet. I mean, he's been in there with Price. He's been in there with Chaos. Uh, did go to sleep in those fights, but uh, he uh, he's been in there. The last fight against um, the German guy, uh, what's his name, Zawada. I mean, he beat that dude up pretty good. Uh, I feel like Morano sometimes doesn't get enough credit. Um, I know he's had his stumbles and his issue has always been the chin. And if he, you know, if he gets caught, you know, maybe a little bit of the takedown defense. But I feel like he's cleaned that up quite a bit, actually, uh, since that was a problem. Um, I don't see him going to his back as much. Um, Mickey, on the other hand, I, I do think that he's grown a lot. I mean, in that Mike Perry fight, that was a he that was a great display of heart. I mean, he was hurt badly in that fight. I mean, uh, and he hung in there for 15 minutes. And, you know, that's kind of been a, a thing. You remember the Diego Sanchez fight? I know he said he had some health problems going on, but the Randy Brown fight, there were times where he was literally turning his back and running. And yeah, Jordan Williams might not be UFC caliber, but I mean, he treated him like he wasn't UFC caliber, man. Like I, I was, I was very impressed. I was like, you know, I know he's been staying at Matt Brown's house. He's been drinking Matt Brown milkshakes. He's been, you know, doing the whole uh, that gym that Matt Brown chains at. What's it called? Uh, you know, I'm talking Western about Western Barbell. Yeah, yeah, that one. I know he's. I mean, he's shadowing Matt Brown 
uh maybe the kid is growing up um i gotta go with murano still but from a betting side of things i'm a little bit worried about the price just because i feel like uh, you know there's been lesser lines for better fighters uh like randy brown for example i think i i when i bet him on that one i feel like randy brown was like what minus 175 minus one uh you know somewhere in that range and morono he ain't Morono will go to sleep sometimes, man, when you, when you uh, least expect it. But we're talking about Chaos Williams, uh, Nico Price, guys with a, an extensive history of putting people to sleep. Um, Jordan Williams, I just think it was more of a case of, you know, he's dropping a weight class. He overextends. It happened in the fight with that kid, too. Uh, Ian Gary. Ian Gary. So, so you know, um I'm going to go with Murano, but from a betting side of things, I'm going to be a little cautious just because Mickey is in the best form of his career, man. I mean, he's tr- I, I was seeing clips of Matt Brown literally like kicking this dude around the gym. I, I think he's been getting tougher. Like, you know, he, he's he's trying to face that problem head on. So props to Mickey Gall. I've I been saying I think he's a real fighter now, um, but I just think Murano's kind of better everywhere, just slightly, you know, um, not saying that Mickey can have his opportunities but i just think morono hits a little harder um he's been making decent decisions on the grappling side of things so i'm gonna take him for the win here but a club but a like a closer decision than you might think you know yeah i mean look morono's got close to three times the the amount of pro fights as mickey gall and you got to respect mickey gall like i said for a guy that was fighting cm punk and mike jackson then then all of a sudden you're fighting randy brown i mean you got to give him you got to give him a lot of credit uh He's stepping in there. He doesn't turn on fights. I mean, he was scheduled to fight Baeza. Didn't didn't Baeza pull out of that fight? Or or am I? Am I, am I uh, Mickey pulled. Well, still, I mean, I, I think he would have showed up if he could have. I mean, oh, look, yeah. like Mickey's a tough <laughs> Mickey's a tough kid. Mickey you know, go, I mean, um, he's got decent pop in his hands. Uh, the jujitsu ain't bad offensively. Uh, it's just. You know, there's certain things about Mickey Gall still starting, still getting a little bit more comfortable in the stand-up um, compared to what it was. I mean, at least he's not closing his eyes and running away anymore. But it's still, I'm, I don't think it's quite at that you know top thirty level like Alex Morano is. And even though there are there are some things you got to be concerned about, whether it's Alex Morano, he comes out hard. And when I when I say he comes out hard, I mean as soon as the bell rings, he runs across to his opponent, and I mean just throws. <laughs> I mean, this guy. This guy loves to bang. Um, so there is a chance that Morano can get caught, but if that doesn't happen, I just think more often than not, Morano is just a more seasoned guy here than Mickey Gall. Is better across the board. Can beat him up standing. Can avoid the attacks on the mat. I mean, we're also dealing with the black belt and Morano. Let's not forget that. Um, so even if he does give up a takedown, I think he can get back up. And then on the feet, it's just about, I think Murano is going to be winning in terms of the volume, in terms of landing the harder shots. It's just about not getting dropped, not getting wobbled, not letting Mickey get any kind of momentum. So give me Murano here. But I mean, this is one of the most positive I've ever been on Mickey Gall. I mean, I do think the guy is improving. I realize he fought Jordan Williams, who is a completely different man at 70 than he is at 85. Well, it's like, because Nasruddin, I think Nasruddin might have took everything out or something happened. Like, he, the last two fights, he looked bad, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, you think Nasruddin took a little something from him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, because, I mean, 
like the RoboCop fight, Jordan Williams like, knocked him out. <laughs> the the fight against the Russian that Rob fought. I mean, that like uh, you talking about um, Kur- yeah. Magomedov. Yeah, yeah. So, but then all of a sudden he drops to seventy, and it's not just the two UFC L's. You see what Dwight Grant did to him. Dwight Grant launched yeah. him in the tenth row. So, yeah, Jordan Williams just he can't take a shot at one seventy. But still, Mickey Gall handled him like he can't take a shot at one seventy. So, I like the improvements from Gall. Still don't quite think he's ready for Murano yet. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, and this is interesting, Shaq. We got a matchup between the newcomer Azamat Mirzakhanov. He's 10 and 0. He's taking on Jared Vandera, who is 12 and 6. Currently, they got Azamat Mirzakhanov minus 200. They come back on Jared Vandera's plus 170. Okay, this is why this is interesting. Uh, Azamat Mirzakhanov, firstly, looking forward to this debut. This guy is Russian, he's undefeated. Knocked out Andre Muniz on his regional scene. Goes to contender series. Destroys his opponent there. Here's the thing, guys. We were already saying he's kind of small for 205, but he's a badass Russian, and he's fast as hell, and he's well-rounded, so he can probably win a few fights, but it'd be ideal for him to drop to middleweight. Well, now he was actually supposed to welcome Philippe Linz back to 205. Philippe Linz pulls out the fight. Which he is known for. They, they might need to go ahead. <laughs> and then uh, Jared Vandera steps up. Here's the catch it's at heavyweight. So, on one hand, you can look at it as hey, Azamat doesn't have to cut that weight. You can just walk in at your normal walking weight. You're good to go. On the other hand, I mean, there's weight classes for a reason. We're dealing with a middleweight versus a Russian. Excuse me. We're dealing with a middleweight versus a heavyweight. And this middleweight happens to be a lot more skilled than the heavyweight. How many fights does he have at middleweight? Um, Azamat, mm-hmm. I think he never wanted to cut weight. I think he, because he's like, uh, yeah, he's he's five foot ten. So he's never fought at middleweight. Let's see, Guto and Essentia, former UFC heavyweight. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Yeah, this, my dude's out here <laughs> fighting open weight fights. So all his fights have been at light heavyweight, but Dana said he wanted to see him at middleweight. But now he's moving up to heavyweight. So, I mean, look, heavyweights hit hard, and if Azamat isn't quite on his game, Vandera, I mean, he can crack, man. I mean, he's a big boy. He's going to come in 265 pounds. So, and, and, and another scenario where Azamat could possibly lose is Azamat could be working um, Vandera could be pushing him up against the fence, could be landing takedowns, and he could gas for moving that big body around. And then down the stretch, Vandera could take over and get a comeback. So those are the spots that I'm worried about with the size difference. But skill for skill, Azamat is better than Jared Vandera. His hands are a lot faster. He's tricky. He's a southpaw. He's experienced on the regional scene. He can mix in his takedowns. And we've seen with Jared Vandera, he might stuff the first initial takedowns, but once you get him down, it's hard for him to get back up. And he's been finished more than once on the mat, granted, by real heavyweights. But Azamat does have the skills, so I think he comes out here and gets this win. But maybe there's a couple sketchy moments due to the size, maybe a little gassing from moving said size but give me Ozma to get it done yeah jared i'm pretty isn't his nickname the mountain he's a big boy 265 how tall yeah uh, six four six four 80 265. I mean, he's a big boy um 
Yeah, that's when one thing I was, you know, a little interested when I was watching these guys. I was like, man, he seems a lot bigger. <laughs> um, but skill for skill, like Jared's kind of a punching bag. Uh, you can get him on the ground. I mean, do your thing there as well. Um, he has one win over Tui Vasa where, you know, Tui Vasa, not Tui Vasa, but um, Justin Taffa. And, you know, Taffa is, uh, you know, very green, only like less than 10 fights. Um, but, you know, when he fought King Kong, Romanov, uh, who else did he fight? Um, and Spivak, I mean, he got beat up, you know, pretty good. And, you know, on the feet, man, he really doesn't have much to offer. I mean, he kind of just throws an outside leg kick. I mean, not really willing to engage. Even Romanov was trying to test his striking a little bit against him. Um, I mean, the thing with Jared is he's tough. You know, he's he's got heart. Um, but, yeah. As long as Azama doesn't stay in the clinch with this guy too long or actually get taken down by him, I think he'll be I think he can snipe this guy from the outside rather easily. It's just, you know, the weight is a big thing. But I I feel like in times, you know, with the with the Av and the Azama, you know, I think uh this line could even be wider. I don't think the line's like too too crazy to be honest. Like Usually you get an off versus Jared Vendera. I mean, what was Romanov? Like minus 500? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, this kid actually opened 300, but the action came in yeah, on yeah, Vendera. Because, you know, they, they, you know, maybe if they do get him down, and maybe it does, maybe it is trouble. But I, I think Azamat snipes him from the outside. Like his feints is that bouncing up and down style. Like it's very hard to come across cross especially at this high of a weight class. Like I don't think Jared's ever fought anybody like this. Um, he's usually fighting, you know, big ukrainian uh moldovan you know grapplers so uh, i'm gonna go with azamat to actually knock him out um just snipe him from the outside uh, i mean that combo he hit the the guy with on contender series uh was pretty vicious i, I heard he put andre muniz down pretty viciously too he in did. the first round so i'm gonna um go with azamat but even if it goes three rounds i think he can land like the more prettier strikes um the more flashier strikes um and Derek kind of just is a big, you know, big ogre type of dude, man. <laughs> you know, just, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I think he's tough, but I don't think skill-wise he's there. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, speaking of going three rounds, Azama did body former UFC heavyweight Guto Inosanch for three straight rounds. I mean, was able to mix in the wrestling. So even though he does have a reputation for coming out there and knocking guys out early, he showed that he's got that back pocket to go in there, mix in, get those entries, take it to the mat if need be. So it's going to be interesting to see how this fight plays out, but I'm with you. Uh, I'm going to go with Azamat Mirzakhanov as well. Now next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Claudio Pulez. He's 10-2. and two. He's taking on Chris Gritzmacher, who is 15-4. and four. And currently, they got Claudio Pulis minus 110, Chris Gritzmacher minus 110. Shaq, if this was a couple of years ago, I mean, Chris Gritzmacher, I think for sure, would, you know, show that there's a difference in toughness in this fight. But Pulis is a guy that, I mean, moves to the States, is just a kid, is only 25, is getting better every single fight. So I like what I'm seeing from him. Is he ready to pass this veteran test that Chris Gritzmacher is going to present to him? Man, this is a tough fight because, man, I was, I, you know, Puelas, from where he started, I mean, if you would have seen where he started at, like, his Martin Bravo fight, I mean, you would line grits probably about, like, minus 300 here. Um, <laughs> like, man, it's a tough fight because I feel like Gritzmacher is a guy that consistently 
get slept on. I mean, even by me in the past, like a long time ago, Grismacher fought um Davi Ramos, like a third degree black belt. I mean, I'm thinking the fight. I mean, at the time, I thought Grismacher was a, a straight can, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people don't know, but Dana and them actually like took him off the tough show. Like uh, they were like, yep, like they were like, bro, you block punches with your face, man. <laughs> like. And uh, like Conor McGregor even said, I wouldn't uh, recommend that fighting style to my worst enemy, like, you know, because um, he was fighting Artem at the time. And But Gritzmacher, man, I feel like, the, I mean, he's been subbed a couple of times by the number, is Chas Skelly the number one uh, submission guy out featherweight? Yeah, top two. Top. top two, three, you know, like, yeah, he got subbed by Chas Skelly. Uh, Alexander Hernandez knocked him out and Davi. Davi Ramos. But that, I mean, that's like three, you know, that's no, those are three solid guys right there. And, um, but his other fights, man, look at his fight with Hoffa Garcia. Hoffa Garcia just proved that he's UFC caliber. And I mean, Kritz damaged him, like broke his nose. Like Garcia was in pain, man, in that fight. And I think, um, and I honestly think, like, man, he doesn't get enough credit. Look what he did to Joe Lozon in Madison Square Garden. I mean, to the point where Joe Lozon couldn't even get up off the stool. Now, I like Puelas' improvement, but, like, this is what I would call, and this is just me being honest, like, he's, I think he's, you know, getting better 100%, but I still have not seen, like, this fight, his nose might get broke. Like, this fight, his ribs are going to get punched in, like, Gertzmacher is very economical. He's very efficient. He knows what he's doing in there. Like, you got to listen to him. After his last fight, he said, dude, like, uh, I train boxing. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, he, you know, he knows. He said he can shoulder roll with the best of them. So I think that he, Claudio Puelas, you know, these fights with Jordan Levin, I mean, the jury's still out on kids like that. Jordan Levin, I mean, that fight was like, that was a shit effort. I mean, that kid didn't even, once his takedowns got stuffed, I mean, he kind of gave up. I mean, all he did was beat Matt Wyman, like, you know, like and they hyped him up to be this big prospect. But it was a solid win. Claudio exposed him 100 percent. But the fight with Anderson Silva's teammate, I mean, the Felipe Silva fight, that was a nice leg lock. He did show his heart there. So props to Claudio. We know he's improving, but I mean, he got beat up like for how long, like the entire fight and then, <laughs> you know, pulled up a leg lock. So I still have not seen enough to fully say that Claudio Puelas is ready for a dog fight with Chris Gritzmacher because Gritzmacher is the type of guy where I've actually seen some of the most hellacious beatings like um, there was one against Austin Springer. Austin <laughs> Springer, who actually has a win over Giga Chikadze, a finish win <laughs> over Giga Chikadze, uh, man. And Gritzmacher literally beat that dude up so bad that, you know, it was, it got ugly. Um, and, I mean, it gets ugly. Y'all got to rewatch that. I mean, look what happened to Hoffa Garcia. Nose twisted around to the other side. I'm not convinced that Claudio Puelas is going to be able to keep fighting at a high level if that happens to him. If his body is getting punched in, mixed in with the calf kicks, like this guy Grits knows what he's doing, man. I got to go with Grits here. I actually think he puts it on him. Like, um, I know Puelas does have a path with the takedowns. Uh, Grits gave up a bunch of takedowns to Garcia, but Garcia, man, is tough. Like, Garcia, you know, look at that last fight when um, Levy, man, it's Levy will be back, but Garcia, like, showed that he's UFC caliber, man. Um, so, you know, I, if he can get takedowns in two of the rounds and actually hold him down. But when Grits wants to get up, I feel like he gets up. So I'm going to go with Grits for a win here to kind of put it on him in the down the stretch last two two rounds. Maybe loses the first round. But I think if this fight becomes a 50-50 heart of, uh, you know, fight of heart, 
Grits is running away with this. Yeah, I, I mean, Grits is that guy that you hit him with your hardest shot and you keep hitting him over and over and you gas yourself out by hitting him and then he's still there and he's still walking forward and that has to discourage you. That has to drain your gas tank. That has to make you feel like, what do I got to do to get this guy out of there? I mean, look at Joe Lozon uh, between rounds in their fight and, and I think you are allowed to bring up fights like that because Claudio Puelas is... You know, he's just a kid. I believe, what, is he only 25 years old now, Shaq? Uh, let me let me, let me me double check real quick. He's only 25 years old. He was born in 96. He's just a kid. Now, granted, this kid, not only has he been getting better every single fight in terms of his skill set and feeling more comfortable inside the octagon, but he's physically maturing as well. I mean, if you watch that debut he had against Bravo, where, I mean, he looked like, oh, this ain't, this ain't going to pan out. <laughs> and then you look at him now. I mean, he looks like a grown-ass man. So, I mean, he's 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 growing into the weight class. He's I, I could see him actually ending his career at 170. Um, so, I feel like they've given him the right steps. And this is this is going to be a test for him, man, because, uh, you know, Gr- Gritzmacher isn't just going to go out without a fight unless you're uh, up at a different level. You know, Alex Hernandez is a solid top 20 guy. Davi Hamosh is a top t- uh, is a top 50 guy. Uh Claudio Polis is slightly behind those guys, man. So with Claudio I mean, I think obviously he needs to get the takedowns, keep that top control and possibly look for a submission. I'm just not convinced he's on the level to be able to get that submission like a guy like Chas Kelly, like a guy like Davi Hamosh. I do think he can accumulate some top control though, but the thing is, man, Chris Gritzmacher, like we talked about, it's a, it's a false sense of security when you fight. I'm not talking about a Peter Yan type false sense. I'm not. <laughs> that, that's not where I'm going. The false sense of security I'm talking about with Chris Gritzmacher is more that, like I said, you, you hit him with that baseball bat. You hit him with that fire extinguisher. You literally empty out the clip, hitting him with everything, and then he's still there walking forward, and then he's swinging back at you, and then the calf kicks, and the big hooks up top. He'll even mix in a takedown or two. So I mean... I'm, Gritzmacher is one of these guys that, uh, yeah, you do not want to, you do not want to sleep on him, especially if you're early into your career or if you're one of these later veterans like a Joe Lozon. So, but at the same time, Shaq Poulos only being 25 training at Sanford MMA, you could be seeing leaps every single time. We are seeing leaps every time. It's just, is he ready right now? I haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to go with Chris Gritzmacher. But I I am curious to see the progression of Poulos because, I mean, from where he is now to where he, compared to where he started, it's night and day. But give me Chris Gritzmacher to, to be the grittier, more aggressive guy in this fight. No, no, because no. this mic is connected. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Alonzo Menafield. He's eleven and two, taking on William Knight, who is ten and two. And currently, they got Alonzo Menafield minus one forty. The comeback on William Knight's plus one twenty. Shaq, this should be a hell of a fight. I mean, two a guys, lot of, a lot of beef, a lot of. Mu- <laughs> I mean, of I think the octagon might break when yeah. these two step <laughs> in there. I mean, look, William Knight is just explosive beyond belief. He's shorter for the weight class. But boy, does he make up for it, man. I mean, this is a guy that can do like 10 backflips in a row. This is a guy, he's kind of got a little bit of that uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis quality where you can take him down, you can lay on him, but out of nowhere, he's going to explode and he's going to knock you out. Hits like a truck, kicks like a mule, 
I mean, I think that William Knight's going to go far in the sport. It's just he is a little bit green at, at this current moment. And Alonzo Menafield, talk about a guy that's paid his dues, man. I mean, had a nice win streak, was undefeated, had to take a couple setbacks, bounced back from those setbacks. So I love the fact that, uh, you know, this guy's been paying his dues. The, this guy's been paying his dues. This guy's been making his improvements. He's taking his licks like a man. He's come back. Um, you know, he put his uh, hard hat on, and now he's on back on a win streak. So one thing I know is this fight's going to be exciting, Shaq, but who do you give the edge to? Um, yeah, this is a good fight. Um, man, I haven't. See, I kind of differ a little bit on William Knight. I, I've been kind of questioning if, you know, and I don't think he's that young, man. Um, I think he's like mid-30s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is that true? How old is he? Yeah. Oh. Um, I think, uh, man, he's got a lot of, you know, definitely got a lot of heart and some good intangibles, but... Just technique wise, you know, when you see short guys like that back and, you know, leaning straight back, it just worries me. And I'm not no striking coach. I, you know, you could tell me I don't know what I'm talking about, but, you know, sure. I just know if, a, you know, I know tall guys have that problem because, you know, they're tall. But, you know, when short guys do that, man, it worries me a lot. I feel like William Knight could possibly run into some trouble later on. Um, I mean, look, when you think about it, he's only, in my opinion, he's beating the two, you know, bottom feeders at 205, Alexa Kamor and um, the other kid that Kamor knocked out. The water um, buffalo? Yeah, water buffalo that Kamor knocked out on um, Fabio that uh, he knocked out on Contender Series. So I like William Knight's uh, fights. I think he's very exciting, but, you know, I feel like Menafield has definitely um i mean we're talking about a guy that actually knocked out paul craig um i think menafield just had some growing to do man i know he let he let a lot of people down when he lost to clark and osp but you know clark you know had a lot more experience than him and menafield we you know we know his issue he's that big muscle frame can you know drain his cardio but he's trying i, I see a guy that's trying to pace himself a lot better like in that ed herman fight um, and I, and I do see an effort and I think that coach Shafe can, you know, they can build off that man and, you know, keep getting better. Um, and, but I just think he's got a higher ceiling, uh, you know, William Knight, you know, he's a dog. Um, but you know, like I was saying in the past, like when he fought to find Don on the local scene, I mean, you know, certain guys are going to expose the, the, that chin up in the air and some of his grappling techniques, you know, he kind of, you know, kind of uses some low level you know things but hey he gets away you know when he's fighting um these guys he can get away with it you know because those guys aren't really ready for the ufc as where i feel like menafield you know pretty much all of his fights have been you know you know all the, the opponents were good i feel like he made a mistake taking that osp fight i was like bro you you couldn't beat devin clark why are we fighting osp you know on short notice too um i think that was just you know uh, Look, fighters have tough, tough stretches in their career, man. But I think he's ready to bounce back. I actually think he comes out here and knocks William Knight out fairly early, man. Um, I think that he capitalizes on some of the the mistakes in the technique, and I think he puts him out, man. I think that he's you know slowly building himself back up, and I think he comes out here and gets a, a finish this weekend. Yeah, I mean, a finish on either side would be nice. And I agree. I'm going to go with Alonzo, too. But I think I'm going to take him via decision here, man. I mean, William Knight is super durable. 
Um, and also that Dao and Jung fight, I mean, it just showed that there's so much room to grow for William Knight. But I mean, I got to give him credit for a guy that got dominated, you know, 30, 25, whatever the scorecards were. I mean, he took his ass whooping like a man, you know, I mean, he got back up, um, comes back the next fight destroys his opponent so at least his confidence is back like i said this william knight is unbelievably explosive man um hits like a truck it's just like i said he's smaller for the weight class five foot ten and you know like you were referring to leaves that chin up in the air and i mean i'm not just worried about that for tall dudes i'm worried about that for anybody on the weight class if you leave that chin up in the air that is an issue especially with a hitter like menafield but he has been pacing himself better. I mean, he knows he had to work on that. Even, you know, he still got tired that last fight, but, you know, you saw how many strikes he landed compared to previous fights. So, Ed Herman's he, a bit. Like, people like to say Ed Herman's a, a walking zombie. Ed Herman's been in the UFC 10 plus years, man. I mean, put some respect Ed on his Herman motherfucking was on name. Tough with Bisping, man. <laughs> you know, it, like, like, real talk. <laughs> so, I mean, I think Alonzo, look, both guys have hard leg kicks. Both guys have big punches i think alonzo can mix in the takedown or two edge this one out just show that he's slightly ahead of william knight at this point but i mean again with william knight's power and explosiveness he can end anyone's night but give me alonzo menafield to win the decision here now next up in the strawweight division we got a match between mallory martin she's seven to four she's taking on cheyenne vlismus uh cheyenne sells who is six and two and currently they got Shan, well, according to the odds, her name is Shan Bays. I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what that name change has to do with. She's minus one eighty to come back on Mallory Martin is plus one fifty eight. So I mean, listen, um, you got to show up for this paycheck, man. I mean, lawyers, <laughs> lawyers ain't cheap, Shaq. But uh, that 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 being Shit. said, you think Shan can you know block out all the distractions and come out here and get this dub over a one dimensional fighter in Mallory Martin who only has a grappling edge here. Um, yeah, I got to go with bias here, man. I've never, uh, man, I don't think Mally Martin sucks or anything like that. I think she's decent. It's just in these fights, I just see like, uh, I don't want to, you know, put her down or anything, but I just see a person that's very nervous in there. I see a person that's, you know, look at the Hannah Cyphers, like look, pretty much her whole career. She's been getting beat up. I mean, the Jandaroba fight. I mean, okay, well, excuse her for that short notice against a top 15 opponent. Okay, no problem. But then the Hannah Cyphers come back. I mean, she got well, an NFC veteran, uh, Hannah Cyphers. You know, I mean, she got, I mean, walloped around the cage. And, I mean, that, like, that was bad. I mean, she was, you know, Hannah Cyphers isn't, isn't known for jujitsu, Daniel. So, you know, uh, she was able to get it down to the ground. But pretty much everybody subbed Hannah Cyphers, you know, big whoop. And then, then I actually faded her against uh, Pollyanna Viana. She was like a favorite. I was like, why is she a, a favorite? <laughs> you know, like she even her Invicta fights just not impressed, man. Like, um, I think she's got good technique, but I think it's more of a mental thing. I think it's more of a, you know, aggression, uh, an aggression thing that she lacks. Um, as where I think Cheyenne does have aggression. I think Cheyenne is willing to stand and trade in the pocket. Um, even that last fight, like she was touching that, uh, Gloria, she was touching that girl up from the outside as well. Um, you know, with big shots, um, 
And then good instincts with the head kick, man. I mean, that's just something I don't see Mallory Martin ever really doing. So I got to go with Cheyenne here. I think she's more aggressive. I honestly don't need, I mean, you know, she's got, she's got a sub in the UFC, but I mean, Conejo, um, monster. And I mean, that's what she's known for. She's a good wrestler, man. Like she's got some good head and arm throws. Um, like I, I know Cheyenne was a big favorite and she let everyone down that night, but I honestly think uh, Mallory Martin was, suppo was supposed to fight Kaneo. Yeah, Cheyenne's filling in. Um, but I honestly think Kaneo would beat Mallory as well. Um, that's just me, but I'm going to go with Cheyenne here. I just think she's more aggressive, willing to take more chances. Um, I think she just lands the harder shots. I think she stays off the ground here as well. Um, but you know, I kind of feel like Martin kind of could be desperate. I think, you know, I mean, she needs a good performance. Like I said, her pretty much entire career. She's been UFC career. She's been getting beat up. Um, but you know, Cheyenne does have a lot of changes going on in the, uh, you know, on the outside things. Sometimes these things could play uh, a factor in, in these things and maybe she has an off night. We'll see, but I'm going to go with Cheyenne buys for the win. Yeah. I mean, I heard Cheyenne, uh, trimmed a little bit of the fat you know, out of uh, the circle she was in. So, you know, maybe that helps her here, uh, Shaq. But because, uh, I mean, you know, you got to you got to yeah, surround you gotta, yourself with positive you people, look, right? Yeah, you got to look out for yourself and your career. I mean, we already know who the star was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you mean the kid that fought Montel wasn't the star. So <laughs> um, basically, Mallory Martin actually does have a path to victory here. And that path to victory is getting Cheyenne down to the mat and holding her down. I understand that Ruiz is, you know, is a specialist with the with the head and arm throw and the headlock, but to keep someone there for 15 straight minutes in a UFC fight, and it was just one fight ago. That shows that I, I understand that Cheyenne has probably addressed it. She moved camps, she's getting better, but it's only been a few months since then. How much better can you truly get? So what I'm trying to say here is that Mallory actually has a path to victory getting this down to the mat. That being said, I don't trust Mallory Martin at all for the reasons Shaq mentioned that. I mean, you look at her entire UFC run. Now, no no shame in losing to Verna Janjirova, but I mean, Verna Janjirova mopped the floor with her. Hannah Cyphers had her wobbling all over the place. Pollyanna Vienna, I mean, she was going full Charles Oliveira, going from sub to sub on her. So um, we've seen that Mallory Martin can be ran through. Cheyenne Vlismas, one thing about her, she's super green. She's got a long way to go, but she's got that natural fighter instinct in her. She's got that volume. She can come out here, get aggressive, bite down on that mouthpiece, and really put it on Mallory Martin. So all she's got to avoid here is getting taken down, getting held down, possibly getting submitted. She avoids that, and, and I think that Cheyenne is going to be able to pay off all these all these bills. And, and honestly, man, get half the dude's net worth, too. too you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mallory <laughs> did make some changes. They're just not as uh, televised as Cheyenne's for reasons <laughs> that you and I know, but we'll be nice and not say them. But I'm going to go Cheyenne. Vlismus to go to be undefeated in the UFC as of Vlismus. Now, next <laughs> up in the flyweight division, we got a match between Zalgas Zumagulov. He's 14 and 5, taking on Manel No Cap Cap, who is 16 and 6. And currently they got Manel Cap minus 260. The comeback on Zalgas is plus 220. So the line definitely uh, headed in in uh Manel Cap's favor no no questions asked about that but honestly man 
this might be a hot take because I know Manel Cap started his UFC career off one and two, but I think this kid's special, man. I think this kid's dangerous. I actually think that this kid is going to fight for a UFC title one day. Um, <laughs> some dude said Shaq looks like Manel Cap's younger brother. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what Manel Cap's younger brother looks like, but uh, we'll we'll take nah, it. He's saying like, I, nah, I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> hey, I want to be like Manel Cape one day. So sure. Manel, no cap, cap. Manel's but, been making a name for himself. But look, let me say this, Manel Cap. I actually, you guys can quote me on this. I think he will fight for a flyweight title before it's all said and done. I think this guy has ridiculous speed. His movement is on point. His punching power. I know his fight IQ has been questioned at times, but it's more so that he's one of these guys that is always convinced that he's winning the fight no matter what he does. So sometimes um, he doesn't throw enough as he needs to. And then when he does throw, his shots are more impactful than his opponent. So sometimes the volume can be on the lower side. But I'm telling you, when this kid finally realizes, you know, how to win at this level and how to, you know, what the judges are I'm looking for, you know, <laughs> and stop, stop playing games. I think, dude, I'm telling you right now, Shaq, Manel Cap is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, if you just watch that second round of the Nikolau fight, I mean, some of the speed, like, I mean, <laughs> some of the things that Manel Cap was throwing at him, I'm just like, God damn, like, this dude is special. So you guys don't write Manel Cap off yet just because he, you know, fought Pantoja and Nikolau in his first two fights, had tough fights with them. Some people even think he, he beat Nikolau, but the bottom line is, I saw the talent, I saw the skills, and I think going forward it's going to translate to a guy that fights for a title. And with Zuma Gulov, I mean, he's got my respect, man. I mean, look at the guys he beat on his regional scene. Look at the guys he's been fighting in the UFC. Did he really beat them, though? (laughs) I know. (laughs) You know, a lot of those decisions were controversial, but still, like, to at least fight close with tough competition outside the UFC – He's got my respect. Um, you know, solid, solid striker, solid everywhere. My issue with Zalgas is he's kind of small for the weight class. He can be bullied in there. He can be backed up. And when he feels the power of Manel Cap, he will be bullied. He will be backed up. So I'm not, I'm not sure if Manel's gonna knock him out or anything like that. And obviously, you got to be worried about Manel not throwing and Zalgas, you know, uh, eking out a, a split a decision, split. a weasel split. <laughs> it would have to be a weasel split for Zagas to win this fight. But I got Manel Cap showing why he's that talented, hyped-up prospect that everyone was talking about when he came into the UFC. I think he starts to put it together. I think he goes on a win streak. Give me Manel Cap to impress this weekend. Yeah, I'm a fan of Manel Cape, man. Um, I mean, he was right there with Pantoja, who's like up next for a title shot he was right there with Nikolau who's top six seven in the division so I mean we know he's got the talent he uh you know beat Ode Osborne who I think has a great career ahead of him as well and then Zalgas look he's a he's a good guy I know a lot of people for whatever reason think he beat Holly on I, I mean I I don't see how but I mean he <laughs> does have he does have a knack of uh making people think that he won fights that he, you know, kind of really You won the second round. Yeah, you know. Um, but look, man, he's he's a good, he's got good tactics up his sleeve. Um, he knows what he's doing. I just think that, you know, we still haven't seen enough. I mean, all he did was beat Jerome Rivera. Everybody runs through Jerome Rivera. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I mean, that's just the honest truth about it. Um, it's, a, no. it's a quote, Eddie Alvarez. If you're in the UFC and you haven't figured out how to beat Jerome Rivera yet, <laughs> 
he initially said that about Anthony Pettis. <laughs> was like, dude, if you can't beat Anthony Pettis, like, <laughs> like if you're in the top ten, you haven't figured out how to beat Anthony Pettis yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm going with Manel KP here. I just think that you know, the big key is like what you were saying about Zalgas always on the back foot. Zalgas does not take the center. He does not move forward unless you know he has somebody hurt, but. Look, he's not going to be trying to get close to Manel Cape. He's going to be on that back foot. I think all Manel Cape has to do is, you know, watch his volume, like, you know, be careful, like make sure you're, you're, you know, right up to par with his, because we know that when, when we do land, he will feel it. <laughs> and, uh, and I just think that every, you know, Manel can eat Zalgas' best shots, no problem. That's where I feel like when Zalgas gets hit, he's going to, be backing up more and just his volume is going to be slowly deteriorating so i'm going to go with uh manel cape to actually i'm gonna say finish him um maybe yes to work for it a little bit you know zalgas is going to be on the outside of that cage but i'm going to go with uh, manel cape to knock him out now next up in the welterweight division we got a match between jake matthews he's 17 and 5 taking on jeremiah wells who is 9 and 2 and currently they got jake matthews minus depends where you look minus 185 the comeback on jeremiah wells is plus 150 this should be a very you know this should be the kind of fight that lets us know exactly where both these guys are because with jeremiah wells i gotta admit i wasn't that impressed with his regional footage but then again took two years off comes into the ufc he's in the prime of his career and man, I was blown away by that day, de- that, that debut against Worley Alves. Now, guys, I understand Worley Alves is a flick, but when you really look at the history of Worley Alves and guys that beat him, they usually have to go through shit in that first round. Then they take over when Worley Alves gasses. Jeremiah Wells ran over Worley Alves from the second the bell ring to from the second the bell rang to the second that Worley Alves was unconscious on the canvas, man. So Jeremiah Wells impressed me. And not only did he impress me by the fact that he handled Worley like that, he impressed me in all aspects of the game. Look, I know the stand-up might not look the prettiest, but it's effective because look at the horsepower this guy's working with. You take it a step further. He's a black belt in jujitsu. I saw him get on top of Worley. Uh hold or tie Worley's hand behind his back, Dagestani handcuff, and start pounding on him. And I'm just telling you right now, a guy like Jake Matthews, look, he's been in the UFC for such a long time that we know exactly what he is. I don't give a shit that he's 26 and 27 and, oh, he's going to go into his prime. I think it's more of a case like DeCasey where his best days are actually behind him, man. I mean, we've already – Jake Matthews might have the physique. Jake Matthews might have the hands. He might even have the, the takedowns. He doesn't – it, you know, <laughs> I, it, it feels weird for a non-fighter like myself to say this guy doesn't have the heart or the, the the mental side because he's been in the UFC so long. I just mean at the UFC level, at that level, I, 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 I still don't understand how he beat Li Jing Liang that night. If they ever fought again, I got Li Jing Liang in that fight. Look, sometimes these things happen. Barella versus Tyler Santos. Sometimes the wrong person wins the fight. If they ever fight again, I got Li Jing Liang, man. I mean, it is what it is. So, listen, I'm, I don't know for a fact that Jeremiah Wells is going to win, but I know for a fact that at plus 170 odds, I'm willing to take my chances, roll the dice, and see if Jeremiah Wells can come out here and beat his second straight established flake in a row. So give me Jeremiah Wells to come out here, and I'm going to say submit Jake Matthews. Yeah, man, I like Jeremiah Wells. Um, the the regional footage. Um, I've actually know. I mean, I've known about him for a few years now. Um, even when he was on it, you, him and Jared were in talks. 
And I know he comes from um, Brady and them team. You know, he's boys with them. Um, the Gracie, Daniel Gracie, I believe, is the uh, owner of the gym. So, yeah, I know he comes from that team. So, yeah, and Philly, I mean, Philly dude's been rarely losing. I can't. The only Philly dude I've been lost recently is, like, Algeo. And I, people from Philly been telling me they don't even claim Algeo, like, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, I was like, damn, y'all don't claim Algeo? But, um. They don't like yeah. my boy, Billy A. They said he ain't really from Philly. That's what somebody told me. I was like, damn, really? But, um, yeah, man, these Philly guys, they win a lot. Um, but, yeah, Jake, I, li- I like how you put that, man, with, about Jake Matthews. Like, this potential thing, though. Like, the potential has already come back down. It's run out. He's been in the UFC for how long now? Long-ass time. Like, since he was, like, 19, 20 years old. So, um, I, th- I think we know it. Kind of a good comparison with the Casey, like, like this guy, you just have to come at him, man. You can, you, he can be broken. Um, even in his wins, like against, um, what was the guy's name? Emil Meek, like the way he fell apart in that third round, like, and that's against a can, no offense to Emil Meek, but like did be Pahara, so he's not a can, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you in UFC level, like just the way he fell apart in that third round, man, is like, was a little and you know the Diego Sanchez fight. I, I know he beat him up, but I was I was expecting him to come out here and put Diego in the ground, man. Like, you know, I, I was like, I, I was just like, Jake, you can't finish Diego. Like, I know you know a lot of people can finish him, so maybe I'm wrong, but I was expecting a finish out of him that fight, man. And and he couldn't deliver. It just seems like he always holds back. You know, the second things get a little shaky, he'll look to play it safe and just lay on top control. I, I don't ever see the top 15 in this guy's future. I don't. What, what is he ranked right now? 27. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think this is about as good as it's going to get, man. I think this is Jeremiah Wells time to shine. And Jeremiah, you know, another one of these guys in his mid 30s, the time is now with him. So. I agree, man. I think plus 170 is almost like how many times has Jake Matthews let you down? Um, I know he did beat Lee Jing Leong. So on the given day, I guess he is capable of beating someone good. But Lee Jing Leong also lost to uh, Keita Nakamura, too, and got finished unconscious. You know, sometimes Lee does a will do a couple things, uh, questionable things, man. But I think Jeremiah can come out here, just mix it up. You know, and just try to capitalize on the moments, man. If we can get on top of Jake and, you know, get mount and half guard and all that stuff and and make him work and make make him realize that this fight isn't going to be easy, I think Jake will slowly start to break, man. So, I mean, we've seen it multiple times. What happened in that Rocco Martin fight in Australia? I mean, like, you know, so I'm going to go with Jeremiah Wells here. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got the featured bout. We got Mackie Pitolo. He's 13 and 8, taking on Dusko Todorovic, who is 10 and 2. And currently, they got Dusko Todorovic minus 155. The comeback on Mackie Pitola. Pa- Mackie Pitolo, excuse me, is plus 135. Uh, I mean, Shaq, uh, Thunder versus Coconut Bombs. This should be one hell of a That's fight. Dusko's nickname, Thunder? Yeah. I mean,. Listen, Mackie Batolo, I mean, when we criticize him, I'm not going to criticize his hands, his offensive wrestling, his, his ex- how exciting he is, his willingness to fight. I mean, to me, it's more so he's got the something I like to call triple S, Sean Soriano syndrome. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, Michael Johnson syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mackie Batolo, I mean, like. Sarah McMahon syndrome. I, I, ain't got, I ain't got shit to say about Mackie Batolo's hands. 
I know he's exciting. I know he's Hawaiian. Like he's a good fighter. He's solid. He can mix in takedowns too, man. I mean, he's like I got nothing bad to say about his skills. To me, it's like like I want to know what's going on in that brain of Mackie Patola. You know what I mean? Like what's going on in that head of his man? Like there's coconuts in there or something, man. Because I mean, some of this decision making, Shaq, in these fights, like these fights that he'll rock Darren Stewart like get him wobbling then just shoot head first and get choked out he'll look the best he's ever looked against julian marquez dominate him and then uh you know pull one of the one of the most epic stunts of 2021 uh, the impa fight he got bullied and then you see what he does against someone who's about to retire like charles bird handles him accordingly so I don't know, man. It's been a lot of questionable things, but we know he's got some skills. And Dusko Todorovic, he's a very skilled guy, offensively speaking, man. I mean, I love the body work. I love the fighting in the clinch, the dirty boxing. His ground and pound is vicious. Um, He seems like a very smart kid. The issue with Dusko is, I mean, he fights with his hands down and relies on his head movement, and he's got that tall man defense. And on one hand, Mackey's team has not only game plan for Dusko Todorovic uh, before, they handed Dusko his first ever L with Puna Haley Soriano. So they know the game plan to come out here. Now, Mackey and uh, uh, Mackey and Puna, two different guys, but at least Mackey's in there with the coach, that game plan to beat Dusko successfully, and in there with the guy that knocked him out. So at least he's got the right people around him. They know they know what to do. They know what to expect. It's just, can you trust Mackey to get the job done? Because let me say this about Dusko. When he wins fights, man, I mean, look, he's going to take some shots because he fights with his hands down, but he also puts it on his opponents, man. I mean, like I said, when these guys get up against the fence and they start dirty boxing, that's where Dusko shines. When he mixes in takedowns, when he gets on top of you, that ground and pound is vicious, man, and he's got unorthodox kicks. I like his hands, too. My only issue is that Mackie Patolo can crack, and Dusko leaves that chin straight up in the air, backs out of every exchange with that chin uh, like my boy James Vick used to do. So, you know, I, I lean Dusko because I think if it's 1-1 going in that third round, that Dusko can make the right decisions to, to make it happen. But uh, I can't sit here and be confident just because anytime Dusko gets into a firefight, there's always a chance he's going to get caught. Mackie Patolo does have those uh, coconut bombs. so And Mackie Patolo is no slouch. He just needs to make better decisions in there. Give me Dusko, though. Yeah, it's a tough fight, man, because, you know, Mackie Patolo is a habitual, just what I like to call a WTF fighter. It's like, dude, like, I think he just runs himself into the ground, honestly. I think he, a bit of a mental thing, you know, I think that, like, he just goes so hard, and especially if he's wrestling, um, and he just hits that wall, man, and leaves that neck in there. I mean, James Krause per- perfectly said it in the in the last fight in the corner with um, Marquez. He was like, "You give this re- this kid a reason to quit, and he will." And I mean, I mean that I mean, that's pretty much when he's tired and you put that your arms around his neck. I mean, he I think he will go to sleep or tap, man. So. Um, other than that, man, yeah, he's got some good boxing. Um, I don't think it's anything Dusko hasn't seen before. Um, I consider Puna and Lil Barack, um, what's his name, Greg Rodriguez. And Michelle um, Pereira. And, you know, Michelle Pereira is much better strikers. Um, <coughs> and, and I think um, that 
Look, Dusko was severely overrated. Like, I <laughs> like that's definitely one hundred percent. The his, I mean, he showed it every step. The contender series fight was. I don't even know how he got a contract off that. I mean, he pushed the kid uh, in the fence the entire time. Like, he ain't, did no outside damage. Like, the kid, the other, what's his name? Teddy Ash, I believe. He was the one doing the outside damage. And Dusko had to press him up to win that fin. But, you know, we excused it, said it was his first fight in Serbia. But when I rewatched it, I was like, eh, I don't know if this guy's that good. The Michelle Pereira fight looked a little funny to me, too. Like, I don't know what Michelle had going on. Um, <laughs> like, Michelle has got a bunch of losses, man. But, um, you know, then the Puna fight got blown out the water. I kind of thought that was a lame effort. Like, I mean, I guess that's how he fights. But, I mean, man, you're fighting Puna, bro. Like, you got to know. Like, you got to get those hands up. And then, you know, I guess his confidence was down. Greg Rodriguez, another big heavy hitter. And, I mean, he got beat everywhere. So, the difference I have, though, is just the the mental, the heart. I, I didn't think, you know, Dusko got knocked out. But, you know, I've never seen or gotten signs of a guy that's going to, you know, do things like what Mackie has done, you know, like win the entire fight and then quit right at the end. And I'm, I'm going to call it quitting because it's been this ain't just a UFC thing. This is prior to the UFC, too. Like he fought Dakota, Dakota Cochran and got choked out. He fought um, another kid. I, I know Lionheart was on his corner. What was his name? Cassius or something like that. Cassius Clay. Yeah, and I mean, he did, and he did the same thing. He was winning the entire fight, and I think he got knocked out maybe. Like, this guy ha is a habitual, habitual. Like, what about the Callan Potter fight? Go back, you know, what I said before his last fight. If you lose the Callan Potter, man, you don't, like, there's nothing else that needs to be said. So I'm going with Dusko Tavorovich. Look, it could be it could be ugly. I I question I I I've been questioning if Dusko's really UFC caliber as well. But I think that you know I just think he'll he's willing to give more effort down the stretch. I'm, I think he's willing to you know just just hold on a little bit more as where Maki down the stretch is going to be falling apart, man. So I'm going to go with Dusko to kind of still the last two rounds and, and get us for this will be his uh, second UFC one, second UFC one. So yeah, I'm going to go with Todorovic. Now next up in the welterweight division, before we talk about this main card, everybody do us a favor, smash that like button, please. And subscribe to this channel. We truly appreciate it. Now, first up in the welterweight division for the main card, we got a match between Brian Barbarena. He's 15 and eight. He's welcoming newcomer Darion weeks. Who's five and zero to the UFC. Man, I wish Nitrain got that fight. I liked it, but it, it's all good. Uh, currently, they got Brian Barbarana minus 125. The comeback on Darion Weeks is plus 105. Like, interesting. I'm actually very surprised because it's like Brian Barbarana, I know that he's seen better days, but but he's still uh, on a completely different level um, than, you know, he's, he's seen a different level than this kid, Darion Weeks. Look, Darion... I mean, look, he's big, he's explosive, he's athletic, he's finished guys on his regional scene. You got to give him credit there. It's just he's only 5-0. and oh. He's a baby in this game. He's just a kid. He hasn't seen anything. So, I mean, maybe Darion comes out here, knocks out Barb. Maybe Barb is just completely done. But if that's not the case, man, I think Barb has a little bit too much veteran savvy for this guy. I can kind of show him the ropes a little bit. It's just what you got to look out for is a decline barb taking on you know a young athletic kid with finishing power but darion weeks like i said he's got a lot of growing to do i mean he was basically supposed to fight on contender series he had to pull out 
and now he's getting his UFC debut. So it's like he skipped the audition to find out if he's even on this level yet. And now he's in there with an established guy. So I, I think Brian's still got enough in the tank to come out here and, and, and hand this kid his first L. But if not, then, you know, it might, it might be that time. But give me Brian Barberena to get it done, man. It's a tough one, man. I like the line on weeks when it was like, what, plus 160, 150, when it was like that. But I see why I took the shot. I mean, look, Barb, I think, look, Barb is one of these mini legends of the sport. I mean, like, Barb has had a, a better run than a lot of people expected that he would. Um, what Barb is, I mean, he's a detriment of a lot of fight of the nights. And fight of the nights, some, you know, they're fun and all, but they come with a detriment. I mean, he's, how many does he have? He's got like a lot. He's got, I know Lepree was one. Worley might have been one. Um, Luke. Luke. I mean, the last one. That's four. I mean, and even his fights, the Leon fight, like he takes damage, man. Um, like he's been in a lot of. You know, he dropped Leon. Yeah, he dropped Leon. He um, the Randy Brown fight. I was there. He took a lot of damage that night. Um, so yeah, man, I feel like that's really what Barb is right now, man. I do think he's the detriment of a lot of damage in his career, and all those fights of the nights are taking his toll. Look, Weeks seems very green to me. But at the same time, like that last fight was a, so alarming for Barb, in, in my opinion. Like for him to lose to Jason Witt, no offense to Jason Witt, tough guy can wrestle, get the takedowns and all that stuff. But his chin is like the worst. And Barb just looked stuck in the mud. Like he looked like he couldn't even move around the cage. Like it was bad, in my opinion. That he Barb lost. got dropped. Like Barb got dropped by that guy. Like even in that third round. Like, Wit was literally on ice skates all over the place, like, tumbling around, and he still, like, couldn't find the shot. I was like, oh, okay, Barb's done. Like, back in his day, I mean, this is talking about a guy who beat Worley, who beat Sage Northcutt, who, you know, um, had a lot of good good performances. The Luque fight, I mean, Vicente was on ice skates multiple times in that fight, man. So, I don't know what's going on with Barb. I think it's just a mixture of the damage. And, I mean, look, he's got a farm now, man. He's got, you know, a bunch of kids. Like, you know, Barb's made good money. Like, I think his best days are behind him. I think it's very, he's very fortunate he didn't fight Matt Brown. And I think that uh, I'm actually going to go on the other side, though. I think Darian Weeks, um, you know, I think he's a gamer. Oh, the the. the Difference with the five and zero record, he I looked at his record. He's got a bunch of uh, amateur fights, especially in that big that that big amateur organization. I MMAF, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's like like the Russian kid that was uh talking shit to Cody Durden did that shit. Uh, it's like a big amateur, like the highest level amateur. Um, the highest I MMAF. Yeah, I MMAF, the highest level amateur. Uh, you know, circuit that you can that you can get on. He's got a bunch of fights in there. Oh, that's where that that Mokaya. Yeah, like all the groups did that. A few guys have done that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of experience. So I wouldn't just look into the like he's got five fights. Period. Now he's got he's got fights. So I'm gonna take him for the win here, just by being younger, fresher, more athletic, a little stronger. Um, he could get sparked with the left. He's definitely never been hit by a guy. You know, never been hit. Um, like how he's gonna get hit on 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 Saturday night. I mean, even though Barb's old, he's still got power. Um, but I'm I think he's just gonna be a little fresher than Barb, just to, you know, make Barb look old. Um, so I'm gonna take him for a win. But I think it's gonna be a close decision, you know. 
Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a match between Brendan Allen. He's 17 and four, taking on Chris Curtis, who is 27 and eight. And currently, they got Brendan Allen minus 350. The comeback on Chris Curtis is plus 285. So, listen, Chris Curtis had a big upset last month against um, against Haas. And Haas was lighting his ass up. Let's just be honest about what was happening. But we always knew that there was one issue with Haas. He's a great fighter, just doesn't have a chin. And Chris Curtis was able to capitalize. And, man, after close to 40 pro fights, finally got his his first UFC win. So props to Chris Curtis. Now he's coming back on short notice again. Could you imagine if he comes into the UFC and has got knockout wins over Chris Curtis and Brendan Allen back-to-back? Yeah, that would be crazy. I mean, Chris Curtis, you know, he's experienced. He's got good boxing. It's just, you know, seems like in the big fights, he kind of, you know, and he fought UFC level guys. Man, Phil really dropped the ball on that one, man. Like Phil, I mean, but he does have some, he does have some good hands. I, I will give him that. If he, I mean, that's what he's known for, right? Is his boxing. Um, Brendan Allen, though, man, I feel like has all the makings of a future top 10 guy, though. I just think that, how old is he? Like 25, 6? Like he's already, he's only, he's already so young and he's already gotten this far. Um, 25. 25 years old. Um, from Louisiana, now he's at Sanford. He used to train at Rufus Sport. Like this guy is uh is the real deal. I mean, he gave Puna Haley a, what I like to call a vet lesson. I mean, where he I mean he stood up with him for 15 minutes and beat him at his own game. So, you know, I think uh as long as Brennan Allen doesn't stand in front of him and you know or get sucked in, he's got a Brennan's got to calm down. Brennan's one of his biggest Achilles heels are his emotions and. You know who Chris Curtis's best friend is, and, and well, they he, don't know. Tell him <laughs> it's uh, Sean Strickland is his best friend, and you know Brennan and Sean. You know they haven't been seeing. Oh, well, Sean knocked him out firstly, and you know everyone pretty much hates Sean these days. <laughs> so, you know, uh, she's got to not get sucked in because Sean will be calling him names during the fight, and he will be saying things to him right probably right now in the hotel so especially at weigh-ins like i mean the second they lock guys it's gonna be on so he's gotta be uh he's gotta keep your emotions in check brennan like you're not fighting sean you're fighting his friend um because sometimes i mean because i think like the reason a big part of the reason why he lost his chicken he got knocked out he was supposed to fight heinish and him and ian had this big beef and he you know ian took another fight and then with the gas to him and then I, brendan was just running his mouth that week with the week he was fighting strickland and like you saw how it turned out he's just got to keep his emotions in check if he does that i think he wins this fight get him down to the ground man he's got nothing for you down there in my opinion um even on the feet i think you can stand with him as well he's got a better chin than phil so i, I think uh i'm gonna go i gotta go with brendan allen i just think he's got all the makings of a future top 10 guy and his jujitsu is much better in my opinion like a lot better um but Chris Curtis is a, a serious vet, man. Been around, but just don't let, don't get sucked into the Strickland business, man. Just leave him alone. Oh my God, <laughs> dude. Cause I'm just imagining like both corners, you know, Brendan Allen's corners, you know, saying, uh, you know, circle or pop the jet or whatever, whatever. And then uh, Chris Curtis's corners got Sean Strickland like, hey, Brendan, I fucked your mom or something. <laughs> like, dude, like, <laughs> Brendan, you suck. Like, yeah, you know, oh my God. That could, Strickland will say things that like could this. totally throw him <laughs> off his game. So uh, that'd be, 
I'm just glad it's at the apex, so we got to hear Strickland in the corner. Like this is the one of the times I want to hear the corner. But I mean, basically, look, Chris Curtis has paid his dues, man. I mean, look at the guys he fought on his regional scene. Uh, he's knows what the ups and downs are like. I mean, he's a big boy. He's got very unorthodox kicks. I mean, you saw that knockout he had on Contender Series. Went back to the, you know, to to the non, I want to say regional scene, but you know, PFL, it's a big promotion. Went went outside the UFC, had some ups, had some downs. Now he's back here. I mean, it, when you talk about paid in full, like my boy Dustin Poirier, I mean, Chris Curtis, you know, he paid his dues, man. So he went out there, knocked out Phil Haas. Um, now, Brendan Allen, look, I think Brendan Allen, I, I think his stand up has been catching up, man. I mean, even in that Strickland fight that he lost, I thought he was looking pretty decent, but that last fight against Puna, man, big step in the right direction. Showed the kid, you know, gave a guy older than him a vet lesson. Um, it was great to see, but Brendan's biggest strength is on the mat, man. I mean, when Brendan takes your back, when Brendan gets on top of you, he tends to finish fights. Um, the, you know, the issue with Brendan back in the day would be that he would go so damn hard early trying to get you out of there and then he'd start flopping to his back then guys would get on top of him and capitalize but i think those days are behind him like you said he's only 25 so he's been paying his dues for a long ass time and i honestly think man i know chris curtis has that momentum coming off that big knockout i know it was an amazing moment to see him go out there and win i honestly think brennan allen's gonna come here and run through Chris Curtis. I think he's going to take him down, and I think he's going to finish him in the first round, actually. So give me Brennan Allen to finish Chris Curtis and then get a big fight after that. Now, here we go. Now now shit's about to get real, Shaq, because next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a match between Jimmy the Brute Crute. He's 12-2. and two. He's taking on Jamal Sweet, Hill, Sweet Dreams Hill, who is 9-1. and one. And currently, they got... Jimmy the Brute Crew minus 165. The comeback on Jamal Hill is plus 145. These are two of my favorite rising contenders in the light heavyweight division. I think both these guys have very bright futures, um, and they both bring a lot to the table. They bring a little something different to the table. Jimmy Crute, I mean, I think his nickname says it all, the Brute, man. I mean, this guy's not afraid to eat your hardest shot. He's got knockout power of his own. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He can mix in takedowns. He's a pretty well-rounded individual. He's young. He's a kid. He's tough as nails, man. Um, now, on the downside, he is a bit of a meathead. So with that being said, when I say he can eat your hardest shot, the positive is that it's going to be hard to knock him out. The negative is that he eats too many shots, and this goes to the judges. You know, they're de they're definitely going to take note of that. And against a guy like Hill, who has the kind of volume he has, what stands about what stands out about a guy like Jamal Hill is that it's rare you see a guy with the kind of striking output that he has at 205 pounds you you don't often see that i mean he's got the output of a bantamweight but he can knock dudes out like a light heavyweight so i've always been very impressed with jamal hill and also if you go back to that ufc debut where you know questions about his ground game when he got taken down his get-up game was like a 205 pound jose aldo so i want to see how does that translate against a top 15 guy in Jimmy Crew, because I know Jimmy, he's going to try to bang for a little bit, but if he starts getting touched up, he's going to go to plan B, go out there mixing the takedowns, and that's where this fight gets interesting. I want to know what happens if Crew gets on top of Hill. Based off what I've seen from Hill um, is that he can defend takedowns, and if he gets taken down, he can pop back up. That Paul Craig fight is not an indicator of what's going to happen here, because Jimmy Crew is not going to pull guard. And also, 
I mean, look, Jamal Hill, he made that rookie mistake in that last fight. You know, he got on top of Paul Craig. He thought, oh, this is it. And uh, no, that's not it, Jamal. You know what I mean? Uh, You saw what happened to Ankeleev. You saw what happened to Kennedy. Jamal Hill just simply made a tactical mistake. He could have got back up and let him get up. It's not like he got taken down. He followed Paul Craig to the mat. He was emotional. He made a big mistake. Uh, Jimmy Crute's not only not going to pull guard, Jimmy Crute's going to actually shoot for takedowns. So that's where the dynamic comes in here on the mat. I mean, we're going to have to see what happens. Uh, I'm thinking, based off what I've seen, that Hill can either pop back up or stuff the takedowns. If he does that, I think he's going to light up Jimmy Crute. I think it's going to be a spirited effort. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think both these guys are going to be back in full throttle, man, in full force. I think both these guys have bright futures, but I think Jimmy Crew is slightly too hittable to be standing with a guy like Jamal Hill. I mean, maybe he subs Jamal if he gets on top of him. I mean, we'll see. But from what I've seen, Jamal's got a good get-up game, and I think Jamal pieces him up with way too much volume and and length and fluidity and speed on the feet. So give me Jamal Hill to win a decision. Yeah, I think this is, you know, pretty much simple man grappler versus striker Um, i think you know jimmy man you know i I was a little harsh on him for that that last fight with lionheart because i i did have a bet on him but man lionheart is top five like fought for the title like i mean lionheart's been putting dudes on the ground very experienced no shame in losing to um anthony lionheart smith at all he's very well rounded um kind of got a lesson in the jab in that fight you know and the uh and the low kicks and you know Jimmy, um, man, well, one thing I did like about that, I, I saw a guy that even when his leg was hurt, I, I mean, he was still trying to fight. And, you know, I, I, I respect that. Um, Jamal Hill, you know, you know what he's known for, touch him up university, touching dudes up and, you know, punching punching their heads in. Um, I definitely think the ground, we, we, no one really knew what happens if he uh, got to the ground. I know Darko took him down and he popped up, but, you know, Darko's not known for, you know, taking guys down and subbing them like that you know he's just a you know so we got uh, the thing that surprised me in that fight with craig was how easily paul set that up um you know i've seen guys laying paul's guard for a while like even kennedy they did it for a couple of rounds and leave you know multiple times was in his guard but i was surprised at how quickly he set that up and how you know jamal kind of kind of looked like he didn't really know what was going on now i think you know a lot of that was due to how he was acting the entire fight week you know him and paul you know were going at it and paul i don't you know people sleep on paul paul is an intense guy man paul ain't no hoe like you know like they always think he's sweet or something and then like and they end up getting their arm broken so uh i think man this is a this is a this is a pivotal fight here man because i feel like Whoever wins is going to skyrocket, and whoever loses is going to have a, a long climb back up. Um, but I have to believe Jimmy's got a, a a a decent to a big advantage on the ground here, just based. I mean, he fought Paul Craig, and I saw what happened when they were on the mat. So, you know, and I don't like to use the MMA mathing, but it's just the facts. I mean, I, he's got a better ground game than Jamal. Man. <laughs> it's just, I mean, look what he did to um, Lord McCall, man. He mean use that i actually thought that was a good performance when i rewatched it i mean he used that game plan to a t did multiple mat returns like he could definitely drag on it's just jimmy crute's one of these guys where you know like you were saying he's kind of a meathead every once in a while he'll do something where it's like like the misha sirkinoff fight where it's like jimmy what the hell are you doing like you know where you're literally two seconds away from um 
two seconds from getting a TKO, and then the next thing you get swept with like a Kamara. You know, this is a tough fight, man. I don't think Jimmy Crude has, you know, where's the line? Like minus 160, 150, 165. Yeah, I don't know if he's got that much of an edge against Jamal Hill, but if they're basing that off, I think they're basing that off how quickly Paul Craig set that arm bar up. Um, like it took no time for him to do that. But I also think Jamal Hill's got a lot of got a lot to prove this weekend. I mean, he's got to be very hungry um, coming off that. He had so much momentum. Mm, so I'll take him for the win. But I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way, man. Crew can wrestle. He does have good entries. He does. We have not seen Jamal in too many spots on the mat, especially on his back. We've seen him on top and. You know, he, you know, he saw how that went as where, you know, Crude's issues are more so just like he needs to relax. He needs to, you know, keep his composure, you know, in check. Um, so we'll see. But I, I don't think it should be that line. If I was going to line it out, you know, I would line Crude the favorite just because he, you know, he actually beat Paul Craig in, you know, um, he's a little more experienced. But I would line it like minus 125, 130, you know, something like that. Um but I'm going to go with Hill for the win. I think he might catch him. I don't know. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It's a big fight, though. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Clay Guida. He's 36 and 21, taking on Leo Santos, who is 18 and 4. And currently, they got Leo Santos minus 180. The comeback on Clay Guida is plus 165. I mean, listen, man, got to give your, I got to tip your hat to a guy like Clay Guida. I mean, wins over Anthony Pettis. Wins over Nate Diaz, RDA, Michael Johnson. Uh, I mean, Clay Guida's a legend. He's been involved in some of the best fights of the sport. I mean, he was fighting in the sport when I first started watching when I was, like, in high school, man. I mean, Guida is a staple, man. Leo Santos is one of these guys. He's actually older than Clay Guida. He's 41 years old. Now, Guida, when I say older, just let's just remember Guida turns 40 in the next few days or in the next few months. So it's not like Guida some spring chicken, but Leo Santos is going to be the older man here. But man, Leo Santos has had one of the best quiet runs in the UFC, man. I mean, all this guy does for the most part is win. I mean, the knockout over Kevin Lee, the submission over Rocco Martin, the destruction of Stevie Ray. Um, and a lot of people thought he might have been winning the Grant Dawson fight until he got knocked out with one second left in that fight. Um, that was a vicious, brutal, devastating knockout, by the way. So we'll see how he bounces back. Uh, basically, the way I see this fight going, man, is that I've been waiting for the time when Leo finally falls off a cliff. But, you know, with some of these older guys, he doesn't fight that often. You know, he doesn't take too much damage besides his last fight. So maybe he's still somewhat fresh to fight against a fellow guy that you know is towards the tail end so basically i mean i I see clay guida pushing forward like he like he always does but man i think that leo santos has the length i think that his hands are very underrated i think he's got the calf kicks as well i've even seen leo santos go out there and blast double a guy like kevin lee and then when it hits the mat leo santos was actually like a jujitsu legend before he was even in mma man Uh, so leo santos is a beast on the mat you've seen clay guida get submitted multiple multiple times so i think the only way clay guida wins this fight is i mean he's got to do the typical guida he's got to push him up against the fence he's got to get him down to the mat he's got to completely stifle 
the jujitsu attack of Leo Santos. I think that's the path to victory for Clay Guida. I'm just not convinced that he gets it. Now, here's the scary part. I'm always worried about a guy like Leo, an older Brazilian gassing. So if Leo gets off to a good start, but then Guida starts getting those takedowns late second, starts to get it in the third, holds him down the entire third. You know, I'm worried about a Guida decision, you know, a close decision. But I actually think Leo Santos can come out here and finish Clay Guida, touch him up with the hands, get you know get him with an opportunistic submission when Guida shoots. So let me go Leo Santos via either guillotine or rear naked choke submission here. Yeah, Guida. I mean, you know, Guida's going to give it his all. He's going to, you know, put his best effort. I don't know. A lot of people think he beat the Olympian, um, Madsen. It was a close fight. I mean, I was surprised it was unanimous for sure. Um, Leo Santos, like you said, I mean, for the most part, all this dude's win, but he is getting up there in age. You got to be worried about how fatigued, you know, a 41-year-old. It, it was split. Oh, it was split. Okay. 41, um... 41 years old, you know, Brazilian fighter from Novo Nial. I mean, you know, sometimes those guys can uh, fatigue fairly quickly. And, um, you know, his last fight with uh, Grant Dawson was very unfortunate because I actually did think he could have been up two rounds in that fight. And, you know, he got tired, man. Even in that fight before that, though, was kind of a sign uh, against, uh, I don't even know that. Bogotov. That was kind of a sign that kind of let me know, okay, Leo, his best days are behind him. Like I thought he... In the past, you would have knocked that dude out. But, you know, not that he was struggling, but it just wasn't the typical Leo performance, man. So um, the good thing he's got going for him in this fight is jujitsu, man. Clay Guida has been submitted I don't know how many times, but I know it's over 10. Um, I mean, it's a lot of times he's been submitted, man. Um, so I think that if, if Leo can, you know, get around to his back or, um, something like that. I think it's game set match. I think he could sub Guida fairly quick, man. And Guida, like I said, will tap. Um, it's just a matter of he can't make this a, a half, you know, 50-50 uh, fight of heart. You know what I'm saying? Not that Leo has doesn't have heart. It's just Guida. That's the only way Guida can win, you know, um, if Leo's fatigued, tired, and now it becomes a hustle type of fight where Guida is going to shine in that. So, you know, I, I got to go with Leo, too, just because I'm almost positive if he can get onto his back, he will submit him. Um, for, and I think it's like, I mean, I'm almost positive. Like, I'm sure if he gets on his back, he's he's going to get submitted. So I'm going to go with Leo to get the submission win. But it could be, you know, from a betting side of things, man, what's the line? Minus 190, Leo. Yeah, you, I don't know if you can be playing minus one. Minus 180. I mean... Maybe not too bad, but he is 41 years old, man. If he subs him in the first, they yeah, won't look too bad. if he subs him, but if, the, if he doesn't, then it's like, yeah. oh, boy. <laughs> it becomes one of those Guida fights. Yeah, you know. You know which ones I'm talking yeah. about. Co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got, I mean, this fight is unbelievable. We got two rising contenders, Rafael Fiziv. He's 10-1, and one, taking on Brad Riddell, who is also 10-1. and one. Currently, they got Rafael Fiziv. Minus 120, and the comeback on Brad Riddell is plus 105. So, Shaq, uh, I mean, both incredible strikers, but very different styles of striking. I mean, you got that just that fast twitch, that speed, that explosiveness of Fizz Eve. And then Riddell is like a sniper out there. He's opportunistic. He's gritty. He's durable. Uh, hell of a fight, man. I mean, how, how do you handicap this one? Man, I've been very impressed with both for a while. Um but man, 
Riddell, in my opinion, man, is like he's one of these guys. I don't really hear him getting talked that much, and maybe he's not like a, a, a legit threat to the title. But I, you know, I picked him in his fight against um Drew Dober, man, and it didn't surprise me. I, picked I, him versus Gregor too. Yeah, like I, I just think this guy's got very good fight IQ. I think this guy's got like just a very like I just he just strikes me as very game now Fiziev is a is a terror especially early on I mean he's gonna be more explosive than Gregor he's gonna he's gonna hit a little harder not than uh Brad Riddell he's gonna you know be a little more explosive be a little more powerful though then my issue with Fiziev is you know the offense is great but I see a guy that admires his work a little bit too much and I feel like also he hasn't been fighting like when Bobby Green stood up to him a little bit in that third round, we, we kind of saw things turn a little bit like the Casey was just trying to survive like Mokano, um, you know, we know his weakness. You know, you could catch Moicano early on. I mean, that's always been one of his problems. And props to him, he did that. But I feel like the second he fights someone that's engaged for three rounds, I think things could go a little bit different for Fazeev. And I think this is the matchup, man. I think Brad Riddell does not get enough credit, man. He... I mean, look, but we got two serious kickboxers here. I know Fazeev made a serious name for him in kickboxing, but in terms of just, like, name value in the kickboxing, man, like, Brad Riddell beat some, like, serious dudes in kickboxing, man. Just type Sean his Wayne Parr, right? Just, yeah, like, just go uh, type his name in on YouTube, man. Like, if anybody uh, that... Can, if anybody could deal with this, that Fiziev has face up to this part, it's Brad Riddell. He's just got to make sure he doesn't fall, like, too far behind, man, because, like I said, Fiziev is kind of hell on wheels, especially in that first round, man. But um, I think that uh, – I think he can do it, man. He's going to have to pull out the best performance of his career. But this guy just has a way uh, of, like – just being game, man, and capitalizing on his opportunities. I mean, I was really impressed when he beat that Brazilian kid, um, Alex uh, Silva, man. So I'm going to go with Riddell for the upset. It could go the other way, 100%. Fiziev is a terror, but I think Fiziev just admires his work too much. Like, like he, especially as the fight progresses, like, I just feel like he just starts, like, not respecting his opponent's power a little bit, and I feel like here's the fight where he, pays the price for that yeah i mean i could see it this is such a good fight it's a tough one to call and i really feel like this is one of those fights where they fight 10 times and it's going to be a different result every single time it's about who's on the night who goes out there who executes um and it's tough because brad riddell i mean everything you said about both guys is correct man i mean brad riddell Obviously, the striking is on point. We know that. I mean, look at his background, but he's able to mix in takedowns. I mean, he took down Drew Dober five times in that fight. That is very, very impressive. He's able to mix things up. He's also, you know, got the intangibles. He's durable. He's a warrior. He's willing to. You remember when shit got real between him and Malarkey? Uh, yeah, I mean, this guy can go out there and be in a dogfight. So that's a great quality. But, man, something about Fazeev. Um, especially those th those first two rounds, man. I mean, he is hell on wheels. This guy is so damn fast. He's so explosive. He's so accurate. His technique is on point both in offense and defense. And while he definitely slowed down in that Bobby Green fight, I mean, I, I can't sit here and deny that. If you actually look at the numbers, though, I mean, the guy's still throwing at a high clip in the third round. So it's not like... 
You know, I mean, he still threw 79 strikes in round three, which is more than he threw in round one, by the way. So it's not like he's out here and his output completely diminishes. It's just that, you know, he starts eating a lot more shots as well. The defense starts to get worse, but the output's going to be there the entire fight. It's just obviously you don't want to start eating these Brad Riddell shots. I don't know. I kind of think that Fiziev gets off to that big lead, wins the first two rounds. I mean, wins that first round slightly edges that second round. People th- are going to think Riddell won it. Some people are going to think Fizzy won it. Riddell goes out there, wins that third round. It's a close-ass decision. I'm going to say Rafael Fiziev just barely gets past Brad Riddell, but, I mean, hell of a fight. Could go either way. But, yeah, let me go Let me go Fiziev by just landing more, landing the more impactful shots, and hopefully doesn't fall apart down the stretch. That's, that's another uh, big deal. Now, Main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division. We got a match between Rob Font. He's 19 and four, taking on the legend Jose Aldo, who is 30 and seven. And currently, they got Rob Font minus 140. The comeback on Jose Aldo is plus 125. So, Shaq, I mean, look, Rob Font, he's been looking better than he's ever looked. Got a dynamic jab. Uh, just went five rounds with former Bantamweight champion Cody Garbrandt, but Jose Aldo, I mean, this guy was defending belts back when we were in high school, and he's still at the top of the heap 10-plus years later. I mean, talk about a guy who, I mean, how long has it really been? I mean, this guy has been a champ since 2009, Shaq. 2009, he's been fighting at the highest level, and he's still fighting at the high. He's still in the mix. In, in 2021, over 10 years later. So, I mean, the admiration I have for a guy like Jose Aldo, and, you know, people were questioning if he was done there for a little bit, man. And, I mean, it seems like he keeps picking himself back up. He still he keeps finding new ways. I mean, after that Alexander Volkanovsky fight, drops down the bandweight, his first fight there, he didn't get the decision, but I thought he still performed well against Marlon Marais. Next fight against Peter Yan. I know a lot of people take the first round off Peter Yan, but Jose took the second round off Peter Yan. And then, you know, after a devastating loss, goes out there, beats two legit top 10 contenders in Marlon Vera, Pedro Munoz. And the thing I liked about the Munoz fight was that output was the highest output he's ever landed in his entire mixed martial arts career. Because the the criticism for Aldo has always been those first two rounds, he's hell on wheels. But, man, he tends to slow down a bit. And it's not because he's not out here running his miles. It's because the guy's so goddamn explosive that it's only by default that he's going to slow down. But he actually threw more in round three than he did in round two and round one of the Munoz fights. So I know Munoz showed him a lot of respect. I know Munoz asked for an autograph in the center of the octagon, kind of like Moicano did. And I know Rob Font's not going to do that. But it's a step in the right direction to see Jose. Aldo have a 30-27 clean performance like that. This is a five-round fight. I think it should be great. Um, I, Shaq, I just don't think it's as simple as, oh, Aldo, you know, all Rob Font has to do is survive early and then just take over late, and Aldo's going to fall apart. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be like that here, but, I mean, you do have to look out for that incredible jab of Rob Font, the straight two down the pipe. You know, he's got, he's got some kicks and, and some jujitsu too, but it's really the the one-two that you got to look out for most. I think that Jose Aldo's got more weapons. I think his body work is on point. I think his leg kicks are there too. I know he's got a reputation for not throwing them as much as he used to. He threw them against Pedro Munoz. He even threw them against Peter uh, Peter Yan as well. He's got jujitsu as well. 
I think this is an amazing fight. I know why people are taking font, but I think Jose can sneak through uh, three of these rounds, come out here, win this decision, and show he's still relevant um, at the top five of this new division for him. So I love Rob Font. He's been doing his thing. And I think he'll be back. Give me Jose Allo to win three rounds. Yeah, I mean, Jose's been looking good these last two fights. Um, but, man, I like Rob Font, man. I feel like, uh, you know, in the past I was kind of saying – this guy, you know, chokes in big fights, Um, you know, like when he fought Pedro, like when he fought Asuncao and Lineker, uh, Lineker you know, things like that. So he kind of, you know, was struggling a little bit. Um, But man, I did, he had a big break before because I bet him against Marais. He, he had a but there was like a big layoff uh, before that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, Ricky son. Yeah, a year, a year layoff. And man, when he the the interviews I was seeing before the Mirage fight, I almost was saying to myself, this dude seems like a completely different person, man. Like, I don't know what was going on in that year. Oh yeah, he tore his ACL um in that Ricky Simon fight. But I was uh I mean, just mentally the way he was sounding because Rob Font to me in the past has always kind of been a little bit of a head case. Like, um, but man, he sounded much more mature. He sounded like you know, like like I said, a completely different person. The performance, you know, pretty much proved that. I mean, he uh, he was the underdog, Marlon Marais, and he came out there and knocked him out in the first round. The Cody Garbrand fight, I mean, I mean, complete domination as far as I'm concerned. So I think this is 100% the best Rob Font. Um, and, you know, he's, he's turning corners. We used to say he couldn't win main events. He couldn't win these high-profile fights against these uh, Brazilians. Now, Look, I think Jose Aldo's back, but look, I love Jose Aldo, man, but I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Look, he beat Cheeto Vera. Look, Cheeto Vera's a good win, top 10 guy, 100%, but like he's he's not at that top upper echelon level yet. He beat Pedro Munoz. Like Pedro Munoz couldn't even beat Frankie Edgar. Like, you know, like you could be Rob Fonta. <laughs> yeah, like 10 years ago. But like, you know, things happen, things change. And Pedro Munoz on the decline and Rob Fonts on the, you know, the up. And, you know, Pedro Munoz, like how many he ain't been looking too good these days, man. Um, So I think that you know, Rob, Cruz is about to beat him. Yeah. Like he's going to be swinging and missing, bro. <laughs> like, uh, Look, I if you're gonna pick, that's why Frankie wanted to fight Pedro Munoz. He was like, if I'm gonna be any top five guy, it's gonna be him. Like, you know what I'm saying? The 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 most slower, uncoordinated guy in the division, man. So, I, I don't want to say there's circumstances, but I think Jose is just just better than those guys, man. When I think about Rob Font, talent wise, I'm not so sure. I think Rob Font, if he's at his best, man, that jab. I mean, that's a, one of the more stiffer jabs I. I I've actually come across, man. And I mean, that thing is very accurate. And, and once it's just sticking you in the face over and over like that, man, that, that messes up your breathing. I think that could, you know, uh, start to, you know, make Jose kind of tire out a little bit, man. I feel like Mar even Vera and, and Munoz showed him too much respect. I, I just don't get that just from Rob Font right now, man. I think, uh, you know, that team is starting to slowly become his team, man. I feel like, uh, you know, he, this is the best, uh, the best, the best he's ever been, man. And he sounds very good, man. So I'm going to take him for the win here, man. I actually think he, I hate to uh, look, I love Jose, man. But I think, <laughs> I think uh, Rob Font's, I think Rob Font has all the makings for a possible future title challenger, man. Um, I think he's got the side. I mean, he's, if, is he, he's got to be one of the bigger bantamweights in that division. Um, 
his boxing is really, really good. Like, you know, I've been seeing a lot of names mentioned as top boxers and they, they've been implying that they're better boxers than Rob Fon. And I think it's a joke. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you know, Dustin Poirier wasn't on that list. Like, you mean to tell me he's that kid's a better boxer than Rob Fon? Oh, my God. You, okay. Well, but they, uh, <laughs> they don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> they know who I'm talking about. I mean, we love that kid, too, though. I, I, I'm not, no, that kid's good, but better than Rob Font? Like, come on, bro. Like, that's just misle- that's misleading. Mis- like, that's not right. But I'm gonna. I think Rob Font shocks a lot of people this weekend, man. I think this is the most confident he's ever been. I think he comes out here and actually stops Jose Aldo. Um, you know, kind of down the stretch, I think the jab just is t- is gonna be too much for him. I think he's gonna be on the back foot a little bit. Like I think Rob Font has the the faint capabilities. I don't want to put it on the level of uh, like Volkanovski level faints, but I think he can you know do something similar, man. Um, so I'm gonna go with him to get this win, man. The biggest win of his career. All right, so we're on opposite sides for the main event. This should be great. So before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, everybody do us a huge favor and smash that like button. We truly appreciate it. Subscribe to Half the Battle. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 44? Um, My fight to watch is going to be the light heavyweights, man. Jimmy Crute versus Jamal Hill, I think. Uh, it's a big fight. I think the winner is about to spring up a little bit, and you know, loser's gonna have some work to do, man. So I think uh, that's the fight to watch. Two big dudes, a lot of beef. So I'm going with that fight. Yeah, I mean, come on, Crew versus Hill. You know, you know, I'm gonna be tuning in for that. Uh, but for me, my fight to watch is Mackie Patola versus Dusko Todorovich. Uh, Mackie. Win, lose, or draw. This guy is always involved in an exciting fight. And I feel like I can say the same thing for Dusko. And then you mix in the fact that both these guys' backs are up against the wall. Both these guys are hungry. Both these guys desperately need a victory. Mackie Patola versus Dusko Sadorovich is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 44? Um, my fighter to watch is going to be... Uh, man, that's a good question. I'm going to go with jeremiah wells man um i want to see how he bounces back after that that, you know surprising uh ufc debut win and if he comes out here beats worley and jake back to back i mean he's got a big fight on this on his horizons has to be um and i want to see how he lives up you know a lot of these times a lot of times these guys have these great debuts and they can't live up to it in the in the second one man so i want to see how he performs so he's my fighter to watch yeah, I cannot wait to see how he performs as well. But for me, my fighter to watch is Manel Cap. I mean, look, I'm telling you all right now, when I watch the tape on this guy, I see so much potential. I really think that this guy is supremely talented. He's got nasty hands. His speed is on a different level. It's just about him deciding that he wants to go out there and destroy people and get highlight reel knockouts and not just sit back and be cocky. And if this guy puts it together, I am telling you right now, he will fight for the UFC flyweight title before it's all said and done. So Manel Cap is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down Saturday night live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Everybody, thank you so much. Smash that like button. We truly appreciate it. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, 
all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week for, I believe it's already time for Dustin Poirier versus Charles Dubronx Oliveira, the fight of the year for the lightweight belt. That's going down next week. So make sure y'all keep it uh, tapped in with us here at Half the Battle. We'll be back for that and, and the last card after that. So it's going to be a lot of exciting fights to talk about. Thank you all so much. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>